when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there if he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry DePoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? It is decided. You are, it is decided. It is decided. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is your site co-expert, Colby Patnode, and I am joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself, Colby? I am doing okay. So, uh... You know, Ty uh, pulled himself away from Kingdom Hearts 3 long enough for us to record today, so uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I already have somehow 21 hours logged into the game. Uh, a bit of that is inflated because, you know, I left and kept the game on to go do stuff, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I have at least 18. <laughs> and, I've, been, uh, I've been playing it nonstop. And the game's been out for, what, 36 hours, give or take? Something like that. <laughs> and there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, since last time we talked, uh, we might as well say it one more time. Uh, Edgar Martinez was officially inducted into the, uh, hall- well, he was voted in. He hasn't been inducted, but he, Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. Um, we spent a long time talking about that last week. Um it was about uh, it was about two hours before they made the official announcement. We both assumed he was in. He got in, eighty five percent of the vote. So uh, really not that close. Uh, so once again, you know, just congratulations to Edgar Martinez and the Mariners and the Mariner and Mariner fans who uh, all made it possible. So uh, good job on that, guys. Um, I did see a funny little uh, uh, thing about the Hall of Fame votes. Um, if you guys don't follow Ryan Thibodeau, you really should. He's the guy who does the uh, the Hall of Fame tracking uh, for the release ballots and whatnot. Um, and basically, the way it worked out is Edgar Martinez on the ballots not made available to the public. Um, in other words, the secret ballots was on seventy five point six percent of those ballots. So even if even if all the people who publicly voted for him hadn't, Edgar would have just sneaked in. So. Uh, I just thought that was interesting, worth noting. So, anyways, um, since then the Mariners have also made an addition, and it looks like they may have added a closer uh, when they signed Hunter Strickland to a one-year deal. So, Ty, uh, what do we need to know about Hunter Strickland, and is is he the closer uh, at least on paper right now? Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's the guy that kind of gets um, the bulk of the opportunities, though. I don't think they're going to assign a specific closers role to any of them and just see who sticks. I think they have about four or five guys who will probably get a crack at it at some point. Um, as for Hunter Strickland, you know, I mentioned him um, when looking at some uh, free agent relievers uh, back on the site a couple weeks ago. I made uh, five relief targets at the... Uh, Mariners could uh could make and Strickland was on there. Strickland um was uh 
pretty successful uh, setup, man, for for the Giants from uh, 2014 to 2017-er. Uh, and um, really became... Um, a steady part of that bullpen as they uh, wound down to the uh, to the end of their little you know odd year dynasty thing that they had going on there for a while. So um, you know, obviously this this kind of ruins the chances of the Mariners getting Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> Not like there were any chances of that uh, to begin with, but. But yeah, uh, you know, as for Strickland, uh, last year, you know, Mark Melanson was the uh, was the closer for the Giants. Um, Melanson uh, started off the season on the disabled list, so the, um, Strickland took over the closer role. Uh, went fourteen of eighteen uh, in save opportunities, and then uh, that final uh, save opportunity blew it against the Marlins. Went down into the dugout punched a wall or a door or something, broke his hand. And when he came back, he was pretty terrible. Um, so it's definitely a bounce back opportunity for Strickland. I believe it's only a $1.3 million deal on a one year contract. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's incentives throughout it. I haven't looked uh, too deep at, at the contract yet, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a guy that, um, has a lot of bounce back potential. I mean, you look at his struggles from last year. He was really he was a solid closer when he did fill out the role for Melanson. But after the broken hand and the return from that, uh, you know things started to fall apart. And plus, the Giants were just pretty pretty terrible for the most part, and that wasn't a great uh, situation for Strickland to just be around. Uh, in general. So uh, I think there's a lot of uh, bounce back potential here with Strickland. Um, he does have uh, club col- uh, club control assigned to him. He still has, has two years left of arbitration. So the Mariners can keep him past this season if they wish. And that's also pretty attractive to a, uh, a team potentially acquiring him at the deadline this year as well. Uh, so yeah, um, I think it's a really, really nice deal for the Mariners. Uh, Strickland, um, turns things around, then, uh, they have a great opportunity to either keep a solid veteran reliever with them going forward or, uh, trade him and, uh, be able to get some pretty decent for him, especially if he starts closing and racks up saves because for some reason saves are an inflated stat in baseball and, people love those for some reason so yeah um i'm happy with it though yeah i think ultimately when you ask when people ask how good is strickland really i would say that on a good playoff contending team he's probably a seventh inning guy um Mm -hmm. you know possible possibly eighth inning you know that kind of I don't know if I would say he's a super high leverage guy. He's not a guy that I'm bringing in with runners on second and third and nobody out with a one run lead. Uh, But to start an inning clean, um, you know, he'll be rock solid. Kind of reminds me a little bit of David Phelps, that same type of uh, pitcher, you know, mid 90s fastball, pretty decent off speed stuff. If he commands it, he's good. If he doesn't, he can run into issues. Um, 
But let's be honest, the, the most exciting thing about Hunter Strickland, Hunter Strickland is, is that maybe, just maybe, he might start a brawl for the Seattle Mariners. And we have not seen one of those in a long time. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. Maybe Harper signs with the White Sox and we can get a little more of that because, uh, I mean, you know, the Mariners aren't making the playoffs this year, probably. So, uh, you know, who cares? <laughs> so, yeah. uh you know, I, I don't know. Uh, Strickland's a, a good signing. Like you said, it's $1.3 million or something like that. Um, and I think the overall incentive package, if he hits all of the escalators and whatnot, I think his deal maxes out at $2.5 million. Um, so really no risk there for the Mariners. And as you mentioned, the two extra years of club control is uh, really valuable. I know Jerry Depoto loves to uh, collect that club control. And... It, but it, like you mentioned, it also helps at the trade deadline when you can you can uh, shop around Hunter Strickland and say, well, you can either have him for three months or you can have him for you know two and a half years. Um, yeah. It's up to you, and it's not going to cost you a whole lot money wise. And I mean, it might cost you one B minus C plus type of prospect. So um, it's it's the type of deal that the Mariners should be making. Um, I think they need to make a few more like this, but I mean, I think the bullpen with Garen and Strickland now in, I, I think you're starting to see it take shape. Um, and we can't forget like Sam Tui Valala will be back in uh, June. It sounds like, yeah. so he'll be back. Uh, and there's just a ton of options that the Mariners have um, that they've added to the bullpen. They signed uh, or they drafted in the rule five. Um, now I'm blanking on his name. The, uh, the the guy from the Blue Jays organization, they they signed Ruben Alanez to a major league contract. I mean, they'll be able to fill out a bullpen. Um, yeah. How good it'll be, I don't know. And that's, you know, and that's what I wrote about um, a few days ago uh, on the site. Um, talking about how this bullpen might have a bit more potential than some people think. You know, clearly it's the most glaring um position group on on the team right now um but when you think about how um bullpens are created and how bullpens are always a crapshoot even if on paper they look dominant you know it can all go wrong because relievers are just interchangeable but you look at the options that the mariners have and in the, the dynamic um relievers that they have waiting you know they they'll have matt festa with them uh as they break camp i assume and then wyatt mills uh art warren um those guys shouldn't be too far behind um and you know then you go a bit deeper and look at dyson arias um colin cober uh sam delaplane etc and you look at some of the yeah joey gerber they're, they have plenty of options. And the one thing that the Mariners have been consistent at is building solid enough bullpens from within um, for the most part. And I think, you know, again, you know, relievers are so interchangeable. You, you really never know, even with a guy like, um, you know, even with a guy like Edwin Diaz, you look back on, you know, he's, he's a, he's what you would consider a sure thing as a reliever, but you never even, you don't know even with him. 
mm-hmm. and it's you know so that's why I'm not you know I I'm not worried about the bullpen I think you know getting a guy like Hunter Strickland a, a proven veteran who can rebuild his value relatively easy uh, especially in a closers role if he shows to to be a uh, at least consistent as a closer that will be attractive to teams that will boost his value up even more. You know, I think the ceiling for Strickland, obviously, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get some sort of, um, you know, Brad hand type of compensation for Strickland, but I think you can get it up to a B prospect. And that's really good for this team right now because they have a really good top 10. They just need to, you know, put the distance between the top 10 and everything else a little bit closer because there is a, there is still a bit of a, a, of a drop off after mm. about 10 or 11. Um, so if they can fill that back in, that'd be uh, pretty nice with, you know, and, and that's kind of what they could uh, get with guys like Hunter Strickland, Edwin Encarnacion, Anthony Sorzak, Jay Bruce, etc. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, speaking of real fast, speaking of top 10, um, we're going to dive into some, uh, some questions we got from you guys on Twitter. Um, but I am remembering one question that is not showing up on my list, um, for some reason, but I do vaguely remember somebody asking it. So I'll just ask you anyways. Um, MLB pipeline that came out with their top 100. Um, what was it Monday? Um, yeah. The Mariners had uh, three entries. They had uh, Justin Dunn, I think, at 91. Kalenic was 54. I'm sorry if I'm butchering the number, guys. I, I just I don't I don't care that much about the number that they're ranked in general. Um, but I mean, I suppose I could I could pull it up. But uh, yeah, uh, Kalenic was in the 50s, and I think uh, and I think uh, Sheffield was in the mid 40s in terms of prospect ranks. Um, and the question we got was, is, or was, um, do we consider Evan White to be a snub to not be in the top 100 prospects? Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're the guy who asked that question, I apologize for not uh, having your name in front of me, but, uh, I believe it was, uh, Maxwell Berman. All right. Is that his name? I, I uh, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry if we butchered butchered your name. <laughs> Forgot. Yeah, you. By the way, there are a few questions that we have where I am totally going to butcher people's names. So yeah, uh, a thousand apologies. But uh, anyways, uh, real fast. Justice Sheffield came in at number forty three. Uh-huh. Um, Jared Kellenick came in at fifty six, and Justin Dunn came in at ninety one. Uh, no, no Evan White. So what do you think? Was he a snub? Um. Well, it did surprise me considering that he's the second overall first base prospect by Pipeline. Um, right. Yeah, I thought that would be enough to to get him in, um, especially you know ranking over um, McKay. What did McKay come in as? Because obviously McKay is getting rated as a two way player. Right. Uh, McKay, I believe, is number twenty nine. Yeah. So. Um, I think you know with White, yeah, it was it was surprising, um, but I think he'll get in at some point pretty quickly. I think he's probably on the edge. I bet he's 
anywhere from 101 to 110 right on their list um so yeah i i I don't think it would take him that long to get in if uh if that's the case um i don't you know i i look at him and i I think you know last year he you know he kind of put it all together i think he's I don't know if that's worthy of top 100 consideration just yet. Uh, I thought that was pretty surprising when they did rank him as the second best first base prospect. Um, but uh, yeah, I, if he if he continues uh, going, you know, if he picks up where he he left off last year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we see him on there. But right now, I don't consider him a snub because I just I I didn't expect him to make it. Uh, before the uh, the top or before the first base rankings came out, um, so yeah, right, right. I I think calling Evan White a snub is a bit premature. Um, would I have him in my top one hundred? Yeah, probably. Um, but I'm also uh, valuing his defense a little more than a lot of people do. Um, nobody's denying that Evan White is like the best first baseman in baseball defensively right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the best overall defender in the entire game, regardless of position. Um, but, uh, you know, the big question is, well, how much is first base defense really worth? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does. I, I do know that first base defense makes your entire infield better. Um because you don't have to be as crisp on your throws. You can make you can take a few more risks because you know you have a guy over there who's going to you know at least prevent the ball from running down the right field line. Uh, so I, I do think there's value there. But uh, I believe um, I believe Jonathan Mayo maybe he said that uh, when they do the midseason re ranks, Evan White should uh, assuming that he's uh, doesn't completely bomb. He'll be in the top 100. Uh, he was yeah. in that one. You like you said he was in that 101 to 110 range. Um, so he he's right there. And the reason, guys, I, I keep saying don't get caught up in the uh, in this whole ranking system per se. Um, and I'm not saying don't look at them. And I'm not saying you know they don't have any value. But don't get too caught up in them because by MLB pipeline uh, ranks. Joey Bart is the number 22 overall prospect, uh, the catcher for the San Francisco Giants, uh, number one overall or number two overall pick last year. He's number 22. He's uh, right now his overall future grade is a 55. And if you go all the way down to MLB Pipeline's number 100 prospect, which is Nico Horner, his overall future potential grade, 55. So there's just not a huge difference when you look at a guy who's ranked 103 versus a guy who's ranked 30, whatever, you know, yeah. there's, there's just not a huge difference there. So don't, don't get all caught up in that. Um, is Evan White a snub? I don't, I don't know. I, I think somewhere in that 100 ish range, which is where he is, is fair. If he goes out and he puts up another season or another half year, like he did, um, you know, in Modesto last year, then yeah, he'll, he'll be well within the top 100. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the rankings don't matter that much. Um, although I will say that, uh, Keith Law's rankings are a little bit different and he has, uh, he has Justin Dunn, um, at, I believe like 56. And then he has Justice Sheffield and Jared Kalanick, both in his top 40. So, um, yeah. the farm system is much better. <laughs> let's, uh, let's agree on that. And, yeah, uh, and 
And we'll see, you know, we'll see the likes of um, Julio Rodriguez uh, at some point, um, maybe as early as this year. Um, I I believe Ben Ben Badler or Brad, I feel like I'm forgetting an R in there somewhere. Uh, But from Baseball America, he said he tweeted yesterday that he loves Julio Rodriguez and fully expects him to be in the top 100 uh, by midseason. So uh, that's Baseball America. So. Yeah, Julio's generating a lot of buzz right now. Yep, rightfully so. Yep. <clears throat> and heck, you know what? Even uh, There's even a possibility that uh, Kyle Lewis, if he has a nice uh, first half, he can crawl back into the top 100. And, you know, may probably not this year, but maybe in the future, Logan Gilbert could be a top 100 guy as well. So, yep. uh, yeah, the Mariners are in a much better spot now. And whether Evan White is number you know, 25 or he's number 110 probably doesn't make that big of a difference. All right. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for the question, Max. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know why I don't have it on my list, but uh, anyways, thanks for the question. So uh, let's go ahead and move ahead. We had, we had two questions that are really similar. Um, one comes from Jordan. Again, apologies for the mis- mispronunciation. Leave it, leave it. I'm going to go with Levitt. Um, and Michael, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sukalis? I'm going to go with Sukalis. We'll just call him Michael and Jordan. So, again, apologies for the butchering of the last name. Basically, their questions boil down to uh, there seems to be a log jam in left field uh, between Jay Bruce and Domingo Santana with Vogelbach and Healy still on the roster and presumably playing first base. Um so Michael wants to know which one of them will get the most consistent at bats and who has the greater upside. Um, Jordan wants to know if one of those guys could possibly be flipped in the first few months of the season. So I guess Ty will just take it uh, in order and we'll say uh, who gets the uh, most consistent at bats in left field to start the year. Um, hmm. That's actually a pretty good question. Well, here's the thing. Um, it really depends on what they're going to do with Ryan Healy, because that's the biggest question mark to me right now. Uh, Healy does have options, minor league options. They don't have to take him on the 25-man roster. However, they do have to bring Vogel back on the roster if they want to keep him. Um so that kind of creates a, a little bit of a problem with where are you going to going to play Jay Bruce? Another problem is what's going on with Edwin Encarnacion. Um, are you going to trade him before you break camp? Uh, m- right now, my guess on that is maybe. I really don't know. Uh, but to to directly answer the question. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I, I would like to see Santana get the bulk of that bats. I think he has way more potential, but also I would like to see Jay Bruce get some at bats and start building up his value so that you can get rid of some of the money that's on his deal uh, and get some decent back for him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure right now with the way that the roster is constructed. It's, it's hard to see how that's all going to shake out. Um, I know Jerry has said that they're going to find ways to play Bruce pretty much every day, but 
at several different positions. So whether that be left field, first base, DH, um, you know, maybe right field at some point. Uh, you never know. Um, but yeah, I, I you know Santana is probably strictly just going to be a left fielder. They might DH him every now and then. That obviously creates less opportunity for him to get at bats. But I feel like the most consistent playing time in left field will come for Santana. Just because Bruce uh, can play elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think uh, at the end of the year, Domingo Santana will have the largest portion of uh, at-bats among, you know, uh, left fielders for the Seattle Mariners. Um. So next next part of that question is who has the greatest upside? Um, it seems pretty clear to me, but maybe you disagree, Ty. Who has the who has the best upside of that uh, that left field tandem right now? Well, yeah, clearly the answer is Santana, um, yeah. and that's not just from a you know um, play standard, you know, not from a performance standard. I mean, um, that's also trade value wise. Um, mm-hmm. If Santana gets back to how he played in 2017 or the way that he hit in 2017, that's a really nice trade ship to have. Bruce, on the other hand, even if Bruce balls out just because of his age and his uh, defensive limitations and the contract, at most you're probably going to get a B prospect for Jay Bruce, and that's being generous. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, for Santana, Santana, you can probably get something really nice for on the trade market. But as far as performance, yeah, it's Santana all the way. Santana's the younger player. Santana is on a much cheaper deal. Uh, and he has uh, just better hit tools all around, I think, at this point um, when looking at both of those players' careers. Um yeah, I, I I don't see any uh, any way to kind of uh, turn this around and for for uh, into uh, Jay Bruce's favor. So yeah, plus uh, Santana has a chance to provide value on the bases. Um, yeah. Santana's just the better player right now, um, and he's still like you mentioned the age. He still has upside. Um, I I think expecting a 2017 season from him would be a bit much, but he doesn't have to do that. Um, I wrote, uh, I wrote an article today. It's out uh, right now on the website uh, about Jay Bruce and how he might be a guy who has a pretty good chance to back back to bounce back. When you look at his, uh, batted ball percentage and his hard hit ratio and all that stuff, um, seems to point to a pretty strong possibility that Bruce can bounce back. Um, but in left field, it's, it's Santana. I think the best case scenario for the Mariners is that Bruce shows that he's, at least like an average first baseman um, who could play left and right field if needed and continue and goes back to his 2017 self. And you might be able to get a little bit, uh, like you said, maybe a B prospect if you're lucky. Um, But the answer to that question is Santana. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just to kind of wrap up the left field uh, situation, Jordan wants to know, um, is it possible that one of them gets flipped in the first few months of the season? I, I guess for me, I'm reading that as uh, before or around the draft, mid-June. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know if he means at the deadline. Uh, certainly at the deadline, I think it's possible. Uh, but what do you, could one of them be flipped before the draft? Um, maybe Bruce and kind of a Denard Span fashion, but uh, I'm see that you know these questions are really hard because it's a lot of hypotheticals involved. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, possibly, but it, it really depends on on just how um, both players perform. I really don't think that Santana is much of a candidate to be dealt that early. I think, I think the Mariners are going to give Santana some some opportunity to see if he can stick with the team throughout mm-hmm. um obviously you know bruce with every you know bruce is just you know a part of taking on the money from cano uh they don't really see any future with him um so maybe he, I, i'm sure that if some team came to them with a decent enough offer where they take some of the money from bruce's contract etc i'm sure that they would take that but i think bruce is more of a august candidate maybe maybe july trade deadline but more of a waiver deadline type of guy we'll see sure yeah i I don't see much of a chance. Um, if the Mariners were going to move somebody early in the year, I would kind of lean towards Edwin Encarnacion. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's got a little bit. I mean, I think he has more value around baseball than Jay Bruce does right now. Um, and yeah, like we mentioned the first base uh, log jam, the left field log jam. Uh, so I, I think if the Mariners were going to trade Jay Bruce, they may have already done it, um, or they just haven't gotten anything, uh, any interest in him, which I mean seems fair. Um, I, I I just I don't see either one of them being gone before July. Um, you know they they can get a little funky with the with the options. I I know uh, Ryan Healy has all three. I'm not quite sure if Santana has one left. Um, I, I I don't think he does, but if he does, and that that's helpful too. Uh, but I don't I I don't think either one of them gets moved. If you had to, if I had to pick somebody who gets moved early in the year, like pre-draft, I would say it's Encarnacion. Uh, Bruce is going to need more than six weeks to regain enough value to trade him. So yeah, and I I don't know. Santana's got three years of club control left. I don't know if they see him as a long-term fixture on this team, but he's not a short-term one either. So I don't think they're going to move. Santana that early yeah all right so uh next question we have another one from uh from Jordan uh and the phrasing of this question is really um interesting I guess I'll say Mm -hmm. uh he would like to know which one of the trades that DePoto made this offseason are we gonna are you gonna look back on with disgust that's his word not mine at the end of the mm-hmm. trade deadline, at the end of the season, and the next five se- in the next five seasons after that, and which one are you most excited about? Uh, I'll answer the first uh, the first part of that question. Zero of them. I nothing drives me nuts more than Monday morning quarterbacking a trade, uh, like you know, waiting until you see the results and being like, "Oh, yep, he's an idiot." I told you. Yeah. yeah. 
that's not how trade evaluation works. You have to trade it in the moment. And then you can look back and say, well, you know, that, that trade didn't work out or he probably shouldn't have made that trade in hindsight, but I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, if JP Crawford's a bust, Oh, DePoto's an idiot. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I had to pick one that I would be, I would say disappointed by, um, at the end of the year, it's, I don't know, probably the Segura trade, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't have any issue with what Topoto did this offseason. So, Ty, I guess I'll ask you, are there any of these deals that you think you'll look back on with disgust? Um, I mean, I, I, get, I get the sentiment. Right, of, yeah, I do too. Yeah, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are. Uh, I think, you know, the one... I'm I'm sure there are some trades that would make me sad because sure. you know if you even though like you know I, I I'm happy for all the former Mariners that that succeed ex- elsewhere and I'm rooting for you know Mike Zanino and, and James Paxson et cetera but if those guys you know they ball out and take their teams to the playoff you know or help take their teams to the playoffs et cetera you know that makes you sad um, I think the one especially is Mike Zanino because I, I really did love Mike Zanino. Um, sure. uh, but you know, I'll also be happy for him. Um, it, it'll just suck because it's not for the Mariners. Uh, right. but yeah, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll look at any of these deals with disgust. You know, the more that I learn about, you know, the Gene Segura situation and everything they got went went on with that. I'm kind of glad he's gone. I'm, yeah. you know, I, especially when you know trying to establish uh you know a culture uh within the team you know i i i don't know i yeah i'm not i'm not too too hung out hung up about any of these deals anymore as i as i was when they initially happened um right. now i'm kind of over it now even if the the deals kind of go to hell in a handbasket for the Mariners. I, I, I still, I don't think I'll, uh, I don't think I'll look at any of them with disgust, but maybe a little bit of sadness. Right. I, I think disgust is such a strong word. Um, and like, if like, if five years from now you're asking me like, which one of these trades is going to be the worst, the worst one. I mean, I, I suppose I would pick the Crawford for Sakura trade, but like you meant, I, I still really like that deal. Um, and it's not even completely over yet. Let's not forget that they didn't just get uh, JP Crawford for Gene Sakura. They also got, you know, a top 80 pick. Um, yeah. And right now, Edwin Encarnacion, and we'll see what he gets you. Um, so I just, yeah. I don't, that I, I can't judge that trade yet because I don't consider it complete. Um, but even if it is, I still like that deal, uh, mainly because of what you mentioned. But if there's one player who's going to uh, outperform the player we got, uh, I, I think it's probably Segura for Crawford. But I, guess I still like that deal. And when you talk about building a culture, I mean, Gene Segura did not seem interested in that at all. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's Scott Service's fault, but I mean... It's tough to it's tough to blame the Mariners for getting rid of players who aren't buying in, and it certainly seems like, uh, at least based on what little we know, that he wasn't buying in. So, I mean, he had to go. So, I just, yeah, I, 
not all the deals that DePoto made this offseason are going to work out. That's just math. Um, one of them will be an epic fail, uh, more than likely. But I don't. I'm not going to look back and change my opinion drastically of these trades because of something five years from now. That's just not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyways, probably the the. I don't know. The funner part of his question to answer is which trade are you most excited about? So which one got you the most excited? Um, probably the Diaz deal because of Kellen, uh, Kellenick. I really love Jared Kellenick. Right. Um, you know, I like Justin Dunn too, but Jared Kellenick is, is the one guy that I'm really excited about. I also really like the shed long deal. Um, I thought that was a really solid deal for the Mariners um going forward I, I you know just swapping stores for for long um and uh, i just you know i like the potential of shed long a lot more than josh stores right now um you know obviously they can change um let's see here uh i also really like the domingo santana deal i thought the i thought that deal was uh was another great swap of players um for the mariners you know it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me you know on the brewer side uh but uh yeah getting santana was uh for for gamble um trading you know pretty much offense or you know well you know that's the thing though i was about to say you know they basically traded defense for offense but ben gamble wasn't very good defensively and we've talked about this before uh, how I think you said that he's kind of the the kid in left field that just makes all the diving catches, but he's not very good. <laughs> right. He has to make the diving catches because he couldn't get to the right spot in time, like normal outfielders yeah. can. So yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to miss Ben Gamble. I love Ben Gamble, but uh, yeah, let's not pretend that he's you know he's Franklin Gutierrez in left field. Yeah. So yeah, I, I you know I really like. Um, kind of all the deals that are, are very, you know, wrapped up in potential and, you know, I, I, I love that. I'll eat that up all day. Um, yeah. So, uh, those are kind of like my top three, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I've, after initially hating the, uh, the Gene Segura trade, um, I spoke out about that on a podcast shortly after the trade, where it it really, you know, I I came to love that deal, um, and very little of it had to do with baseball, uh, in terms of just talent swapped. But at the end of the day, still, I mean, you did get J.P. Crawford, who does have a lot of talent, um, and you got a top eighty pick uh, in the draft, which is what your organization needs. You got him, and you have Edwin Encarnacion, who right now looks like he'll probably be on the team on opening day, but he's probably going to net you another, you know, B level prospect. And when you look at what the Mariners gave up or what the Mariner Gene Segura, and you look at the overall package, which we won't know until June at the earliest, it's probably going to end up being about what you would get for Gene Segura. Um, and at the time it didn't look like it, but now it kind of does, you know what I mean? You're going to get, you're going to get your, a-level prospect, which is J.P. Crawford. You're going to get your B-level prospect, which is probably the 80th or the 77th pick right now, I think. Overall, you're probably going to get as you know a C-plus or a B-minus prospect for Encarnacion, and that's the package you pretty much expected for Segura. So, 
Um, I, I still really like that deal. Another deal that I'm really starting to, you know, grow on is the the very first one, Mike Zanino from Alex Smith. I really like that deal. Yeah. Uh, it, it sucks to lose Mike because, I mean, everybody loves Mike Zanino, but Alex Smith is a really good player. And, oh, he's by the also way. A really, he's also a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And, yeah. by the way, he's got four years of club control versus Zanino's two. And you got Jake Fraley out of that, um, who I, you know, I really like, and I know you like Fraley too. So I, I would say that those two deals are probably my favorite. Um, and then, you know, I'll throw in the, uh, I'll throw in the, uh, the Paxton deal. Um, just because I, I'm really believing big on Dom Thompson Williams. So, um, but I also do like Swanson a bit and Sheffield. So I feel like that was just a really solid overall package. Um, but yeah, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's not one of these deals that I'm going to bash five years from now. Um, they all make sense to me and they're all, you know, understandable and you can follow a line of logic with them. And I think there's a little bit to like about all the deals. So, um, I, I would, I would give Jerry DePoto, you know, like an a minus this off season. So I, I'm, I'm I'm happy with what he's done, and I'm interested to see how all these deals shake out. So, uh, thanks for the question, Jordan. Uh, let's go ahead and let's move on. Um, so, well, you were talking about Jake Fraley, and I believe we have a question about Jake Fraley right here. Yep. Uh, don't know his name, but you can follow him on Twitter at Mariner Optimus Optimism uh, at Mariner Optimism. Nice. <laughs> uh, his question is: What's the ceiling for Jake Fraley? I believe he's a very underrated piece of the offseason that Jerry acquired. So, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and what, what do you think the ceiling is for Jake Fraley? I think the ceiling, you know, and I mentioned this comparison back when the trade happened. I think the ceiling for him is um, Brett Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a solid um, top of the order type hitter with um, decent power, decent enough power uh, to get by. Um solid speed uh, and really good defense. Um, I think that's kind of what Jake Fraley can be. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't see him going higher than that. You know, Brett Gardner is a really good player. Uh, yeah. um, so I, I, I'd be thrilled with that. I, I'm not sure if he actually reaches that. I think Fraley will get an opportunity at some point and maybe even pretty early on. Um, I'm, have they said what their plans are with him yet? If, if where he's going to, where he's going to start the season? I think I, I, I know that they have announced where he's going to go. I just can't quite remember where it is, but I believe he will start the year in double a. Okay. So if he's starting the year in Arkansas, it's quite possible we see him in September. Um, I don't yep. think that's, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's, um, out there uh i especially if he if he continues to hit as he did you know last year and and uh in high a ball 347 415 547 with a 172 wrc plus that's really good and that's going to get him up the uh you know up through uh the you know the mariners ranks pretty quickly uh all the way to the mlb um so yeah i think he'll get an opportunity to play and 
you know, if he shows out, you know, that, that, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, like I said, ceiling wise, I think he is Brett Gardner. Um, more so, I think he's a serviceable fifth outfielder. I think that's more of a realistic, uh, idea for him. Um, I think he's basically Ben Gamble if at, at, at worst. I don't think he'll be a terrible player if he reaches the MLB. I think he'll be a serviceable MLB player. Right. And Fraley, the difference between Fraley and Gamble is, though, is that Fraley is a well above average defender in center field uh, mm-hmm. where Ben Gamble struggled in the corner. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like, I think ceiling i would probably agree is brett gardner i think the floor is probably andy chavez i mean who's you know he's stuck around in the game for a long time he's probably a fourth or fifth outfielder he can run around he can play some decent defense uh you know he'll make contact i the real question with fraley is power um he made the swing change we saw a lot more power from him last year uh than his rookie year i i uh i think fraley's got something I really like him. I know he's inside our top 20 uh, prospects, which, by the way, guys, will be coming out pretty soon. Um, I think we're bumping it up to a top 30 this year, so be on the lookout for that. But, yeah, I I think Fraley's upside, like his absolute ceiling, I think, is Brett Gardner. Um, But I think he does have a floor that's pretty much a, you know, a fourth or fifth outfielder, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, does have value. He could be a platoon guy. He's going to be – he can play center field uh, quite well. He can – I mean, he, he's no Braden Bishop out there, but he's really good. Um, and we'll see if he if he hits with power, then he could be a he could be an everyday guy, sure. Um, if he doesn't, he's probably still a really useful big leaguer to have on your bench, and uh, maybe a platoon guy, maybe somebody who, you know, comes in in a pinch and uh, and hits a little bit. I mean, I I guess like I think Brett Gardner is the ceiling, but if you want like everything goes perfectly right for him. I could maybe see a little Michael Brantley there, um, but I, I think the ceiling is uh, Brett Gardner. So I, yeah. I think that's a good call on your part. Oh. All right. So now we got two more questions before we wrap this up. And uh, this one's a little difficult to answer. It's from Nick. Uh, he wants to know what our projected 2021 starting lineup is. I really don't want to go through the <laughs> like, you know, Hey, who's here? Here's who's going to bat lead off opening day, 2021. <laughs> so let's just do this. I'm going to, we'll just go around the diamond and we'll make a prediction of who is the starting player at that position. Uh, three opening days from now. <laughs> okay. All right. So opening day catcher in 2021 will be, by the way, if he's not on the roster, just say you don't think he's on the roster. Uh, cause I don't want you to try and come up with a name, you know what I like, but, uh, anyways, mm. based on what we know right now, who's the opening day catcher in 2021, not on the roster. Okay. Um, I, I probably agree. I, I just, just to give you a name, Omar Nevarez, um, yeah. first base by 2021, Evan White. Yep. Agreed. Uh, second base. Hopefully shed long, <laughs> but uh, probably not on the roster. Yeah, I, I think I agree um, with that. Uh, shortstop. Hopefully JP Crawford, <laughs> but 
You know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm going to make a prediction right now. JP Crawford is the shortstop. I think JP Crawford puts it all together uh, in the second half of this season and in 2020, and he'll be a really good shortstop in the American League by that point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, JP Crawford's a shortstop. Uh, third base, interesting one. This would be the last year mm. of Kyle Seager's deal. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know. What do you What do you think? Who's the third baseman? Uh, not Kyle Seager. Um, interesting. Yeah, I think they'll be able to trade him by yep. that point. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's possible that that's shed long. Yep. Uh, my answer would be shed long. Yeah. And okay. yeah, that's that just me. I, I don't know. Long might be at second. D Gordon might be at second still at that point. I don't know. Uh, like I said, there's a whole lot of I don't knows here. Uh, yeah. Now let's get to the fun one. Uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. And that's going to wrap it up, guys. I have to fire. <laughs> I have to fire Ty. So. Uh, <laughs> you bastard. Uh, I mean, who, I mean, if if we're playing in Japan, probably. <laughs> oh Jesus! Who's the left fielder in 2021, Ty? Uh, let me think. I mean, we have so many outfielders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. Uh, probably someone within the farm system. I don't have a specific name. We have too many outfielders. Just one of them, probably. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe a free agent, but I I feel like that I feel like someone will jump out and become the left fielder. It might be Kyle Lewis. Yep, it could be. Um, I for me like I don't think Kellenic's going to be up with the big league team at the start of 2021. Uh, nor do I think Julio Rodriguez will be. Um, yeah. And those are kind of the two like obvious names. Um, but in left field for 2021, I'm going to go with Malik Smith. Okay. Yeah. All right. All center right. field. Um. Hmm. That's a good one. Could be Jake Fraley. Yep. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. Uh. Either Jake Fraley or someone not on the roster. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Braden Bishop, Jake Fraley platoon. Oh like yeah! Oh my God! I totally forgot about Braden Bishop. No, I want Shame Braden Bishop. Shame on to be. you! Oh my God! Yeah, I wow! <laughs> I feel really bad about myself right now. <laughs> oh. By the way, you know somebody who we completely whiffed on at the potential as the potential catcher, Cal Raleigh. Oh yeah. Oh well. Outside, eh. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I mean, I wouldn't yeah. pick him still. But I think maybe that's a possibility. Yeah, uh, it's possible. I, I think he's more of a first baseman, but we'll see. Yeah, probably DH first base type. Uh, yeah. Right field, Hanniger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I. I. I you think, think they'll trade. I think they'll trade him. I. Well, God, it's so hard. God, <laughs> <laughs> because I want. seasons I, away. I want him. I want him with the Mariners, but I also recognize how much he could potentially get you. <laughs> so it's like, it's a really right. hard thing to balance. I would like for Mitch Hanniger to be a Mariner for quite some time. If he continues to hit, of course. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, 
maybe Mitch Haniger. Yeah, again, this is, you know, I think it's either Mitch Haniger or someone in the farm, probably, or someone on that's on another roster as of now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Jerry DePoto, so somebody not on the roster is probably the right answer for all of these positions. Probably. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'll stick with Hanniger. Um, finally, DH. Who's getting most of it? Maybe not all, because they'll probably run some kind of platoon there, but who's getting the most at-bats? Uh, okay, no, no, I'm not answering this. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just too much. This, yeah. Uh, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, someone, someone who can hit, uh, <laughs> Prefer, preferably. Yeah, that that would be ideal. Uh, I'll take Kyle Lewis. Oh, that's interesting. Now that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think you might see some kind of like rotation in the outfield, and then like the odd man out that day gets to DH or something like that. Yeah. All right, but I don't. Know. It's, like it's 2021. So who the hell? Mike Trout. There you go. Mike Trout's a DH in 2021. Hell yeah. Take it to the Let's bank. Yep. <laughs> All, All right. right. Who's who's the ace? Uh, the ace. Yeah. <sighs> James Paxton. Free agent. Prodigal son returns. Uh, based on I I. I don't know because I don't think the Mariners have like a, a an ace in the farm system right now. I think yeah. they have a uh, a handful of number two and number threes. Uh, so I think like who's the true who's the true ace? I think they'd have to go outside the organization. Uh, but to give you a name currently in the organization by twenty twenty one, I'm going to say Kikuchi's the closest thing to the ace. Okay, so uh, I mean. No, the, the the right answer is Felix Hernandez, because <laughs> you already made that gonna... joke, dude. Move along. <laughs> you just changed the name of Ichiro to Felix. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, real answer. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much, it's this... Kikuchi, Sheffield, Dunn, Marco, Gilbert, Gilbert. Like yeah, assuming maybe still- maybe Gilbert. I don't know. Depending on what he does in twenty twenty, assuming he gets to the team in twenty twenty, I I hate this question. <laughs> Thanks for the impossible question, Nick. <laughs> really appreciate it. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't. Th- I'm sorry for not really answering your question at all, Nick. But maybe don't ask such ridiculous questions. <laughs> because especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Like, I could, I could be the starting catcher. You don't know yeah. that. I can't <laughs> tell you who's going to be the starting first baseman on May first. Why the hell? How the hell am I supposed to know about twenty twenty one, man? <laughs> it's Jerry Depoto. For all I know, Jerry Depoto's acquiring Joey Votto on May fourteenth. What the hell? I mean, jeez, Louise. So there you go, Nick. There's a attempt to answer your question. And yes, I know it wasn't very good, but that's what you get. So. Live with it. Yep. yep. All right. Final question. Uh, when you when we... you try me when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're gonna get. <laughs> Thanks, Sherm. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, so I guess we'll wrap this up with a uh, one more question here. 
from uh, at uh, Malcontent47. Nice. Uh, nice handle there. Uh, <laughs> Tim Beckham was good in 2017. Uh, and he was bad in the first half of 2018. And he was okay in the second half of 2018. Uh, so what did the Mariners do if Tim Beckham's actually good? Trade him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing, though. Tim Beckham does have another year of arbitration. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, according to Spot Track, at least. Um, yeah. The thing with Tim Beckham, though, is he's 29. You only have him for two years, apparently. Yeah, you trade him immediately. If he if he if he's good, you as soon as someone offers you something, take it. <laughs> because that is way more than you would have ever gotten for Tim Beckham in the first place. Uh yeah, any any sort of uh decent production out of Tim Beckham to me is going to be not surprising, but uh It'll it'll catch me off guard. I don't expect a lot from Tim Beckham, honestly. Um, and I, I I think I mentioned that on the uh, on the podcast after he was after he was signed. I just you know if he gets back to 2017, that's amazing and that's a great mm-hmm. deal for the Mariners. But I really just don't expect it. I you know I've seen Tim Beckham play outside of 2017 and he is bad. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I you know he's not Andrew Romine bad. Thank God. Uh, but he, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But to answer your question, what do they do? Send him off immediately. Get what you can. Yeah, I, I think clearing the Andrew Romine bar is important, um, which may become a new phrase for the site here. Um, mm-hmm. He's no Andrew Romine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I. I mean, I guess that's probably how you guys feel about our writing style. Well, I mean, it's slightly better than Andrew Romine. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Uh, these questions are driving me nuts. Uh, <laughs> but he did point out that uh, the second half of last year, Tim Beckham had a 754 OPS, which is, you know, okay. I think that's yeah. probably the ceiling for him. Um, if he's good, like 2017, I think the best course is to trade him. But then again, Beckham can play second and third base also. So if you can trade Kyle Seeger or Dee Gordon and you want to make Tim Beckham part of your future, I, I, I mean, you, you could do that. Um, he's pretty good at third base, actually. Um, he's pretty good at second. He's below average at shortstop. But, you know, you hope J.P. Crawford takes that job. Um, so, yeah, if he's really good, then maybe you pick him over Kyle Seeger. Uh, I I, I think you just trade him, though. I don't see much yeah. uh, debate. In, I mean, it's very hard to find middle infielders who can hit in the middle of the year. Um, and if Tim, Beckham's, Tim Beckham is one of them, uh, you need to take advantage of that market. So I, I think you just trade him if he's really yeah. good. Um, but, you know, like I said, there is a possibility, I guess, you could trade Seeger or D if you really want Beckham to be a part. But... I don't envision Beckham being, you know, the Mariners being good enough in 2020 uh, to justify keeping Beckham over guys who will be here beyond 2020. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I said, he's 29 this year. He'll be 30 next year. If they 
for some reason decided to keep there's no point there there's just no point um my prediction really for beckham is just he'll be okay at best um and you know <laughs> until uh jp crawford uh comes up which will probably be five weeks after the start of the season because that's when his service time stuff all right. is all settled so yeah um yeah i don't i don't i, I don't <laughs> i don't know you know if tom beckham is good then uh great <laughs> but i i you know i I don't expect. God, these questions are killing me. <laughs> and there you go. I, uh, we really, we we really appreciate the questions. Trust me, we do. It's just there are there's a lot of hypotheticals involved in these questions. And with Jerry right. Depoto as your general manager, it's mind-boggling. So, yeah, it's tough to really uh, to sift through all that. Um, so yeah, it, that's all the questions we have for today. And that was a solid hour of Mariners talk. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up right here, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure you join the website. So, or be sure you uh, visit the website, sotomojo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sotomojofs. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you guys follow us there. You'll get access to all of our articles, uh, as soon as they publish and all that stuff. Um, join, you can join our discord. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description below. Uh, we're almost done guys. I mean, we're less than two months. We're less than two months away from opening day. So we're definitely over the hump. We've made it. Mariners baseball is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers report in like two weeks. It's, it's a really exciting time of year. So uh, once again, thank you guys for listening Uh, from all of us here at sotomojo.com. You know, have fun guys. Uh, Go Mariners and I'll see you in another life. Peace. Peace.